You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, this evening we're just going to continue on with our series on uh, prayer and worship. We've been in prayer. This is our our fifth lesson in total. This is our fourth lesson on prayer. Um, and it is just a, it's a build, building on top of what we talked about last week. So, and just quick review, prayer and, and a prayer life, it is what we've really been trying to point, what I've been trying to point our attention to is the recognition that prayer and your prayer life is a reflection of your relationship with God. We started out with this recognition that there are two truths that for everyone, uh, that one truth that is for everyone on this earth that ever has been, never will be, is that God is their creator. And the second truth where we see some separation is for those that are saved, it's that He's our Heavenly Father. And what I've discovered in prayer and some of the people that I've discussed about prayer and just my observation, I'm an, I'm an observer by nature. I, I like to I mean, I love going to airports because I love people watching. I love going to crowded places and just observing all the different people. I, I've told you guys this before. I've, Sarah and I have been in hotels in Houston overlooking I-10, which is one of the busiest highways in the country, uh, one of the longest ones in the country. And I've just sat out there and I've looked at all these individual pieces of, uh, of a puzzle, these people that are driving and think about they've all got parents. They've all got a hometown. They've all got a story. They've all got uh, memories from high school, good and bad. They've, they all did this. They've all got a job. They're all worried about just all the complexities that I carry, these people carry as well, but I'll never, I'll never know them. I'll never interact with them. I'll never talk to them at all. And so that's just part of who I am. I'm just an observer. And what I've observed is that a lot of people with within their prayer life, is, it is very clearly seen that that second truth that He is their Heavenly Father, though that is true for them, they've never taken that step for themselves of having a relationship with their Heavenly Father. They have a relationship with their Creator. And when you have just a relationship with a Creator, there is always a distance. It's a master-to-servant relationship only. I am creation, He is Creator. It changes when... He, I am his son and he is my father. There's, there's a depth that changes. And I've recognized the lack of that depth because a lot of people have not pursued that relationship with a father. They've just had a relationship with a creator. There's a distance. And we can see that and we can almost measure it when we hear and we see prayer in their own stories. And I feel like uh, if you feel like there is no depth in, in your prayer life or in a prayer life of someone you know, there's probably no depth in your relationship to the Father. Because prayer is reflective, again, of that relationship and the depth of that relationship. Everything begins, everything begins in our relationship with the Father. When we go back to the very beginning, the first thing that God created when it came to creating the human species, He created us and He created relationship with Him. In that moment, he breathed breath into Adam and Adam came to life. And it was that moment that he was connected completely to the heart of God. 
And what did Jesus do? He, he came and he established a ministry of reconciliation that that bridge could be reestablished. But the first thing that the Lord created when it came to man, he created a relationship, fellowship with God. Fellowship that we could be connected to him. So in that reality and understanding that truth, everything, and I believe this, there is not a single time where I've seen this not be true. Everything stems from an individual's relationship with God. Everything stems from that place. I've seen it time and time and time again. Everything stems from that place and misunderstand because if He is our Creator and we are His creation, we will always see that relationship reflected in the things that we do, whether bad or good. We will always see that reflected. And so if we want a deep and impactful and just comfortable prayer life, this is, this is another word I've been just thinking about when it comes to prayer. How many Christians are uncomfortable with prayer? It's the most ridiculous thing to me. I remember growing up and this is not to pick on my sister. She just had real, she had other stuff that she was working through, but she just would not, absolutely would not pray out loud. Will not pray out loud. But for her, it was a measure of value. The type of prayer that she would pray. And I know so many, and some of us in here I know are guilty of it. I know I've been guilty of it. But they're afraid to pray out loud because they're afraid they're going to say something that's wrong, that offends somebody, they disagree with. Oh, I just I don't know what words to say, and, and so I'm worried I'm going to mess up. I'm going to mess up the prayer. And where has that standard existed? Where has that stand? Why is that standard? Why do we hold that over us? That is a creator creation standard. That is a, he is my master, I am a servant. That is a servant mentality to a T. That is servant mentality 101. That I can't even have a dialogue with the heart of God without being afraid I'm going to mess it up and be punished for it. That is not a correct prayer life. And it's not a comfortable prayer life. And so, so many Christians go throughout this story uncomfortable with prayer. And prayer is a dialogue between the Father and yourself. It is conversation. It is interaction. And if you're uncomfortable with interaction and conversation with your heavenly Father, what is that going to look like? What appeal is that are you going to portray to the rest of the world when it comes to this heavenly Father who is making His appeal through you and has given you the ministry of reconciliation? We portray a God that is harsh, that is fire and brimstone, that is full of punishment, full of vengeance, because we're just uncomfortable with one of the most basic things. And it's really ingenious, the design of the enemy's attack on us to make us uncomfortable with the two things that are supposed to be the most foundational weapons in our arsenal, prayer and worship. They should be the things that we are, the absolutely, we are absolutely the most comfortable with. And they happen to be the two things that seem to be the most controversial and the most uncomfortable within the church, the Western church. You can go anywhere else in the world. You will not see people that are uncomfortable praying and uncomfortable worshiping. You will not find that. You will not find that in a third world country. You will not find that because they are not concerned with the opinions of the people next to them. They are only concerned because, and this is a different thing and we're kind of slipping into a different topic, but when God is truly all you have, that is reflective in relationship. But here in the Western world, God is not all we have. I've got this nice vehicle, I've got a nice house, I've got a good job, 
I don't really need God, right? That's kind of our mentality. I just need him on a Sunday. I just need a little pick-me-up, a little pep talk, feel better about my, my week ahead. I need the pastor to say something that's applicable to me that I feel like I'm changing enough to do this Christian thing, just enough to skate by, and then I'll move on. And so then you have a prayer life from that place. It's not a good one. It's not an accurate one. It's not a deep one. It's not a meaningful one. And that's what the Lord has designed for it to be. We must have a deep relationship with the Father. And the other thing we talked about this Sunday, I cannot have his friendship where his lordship has not already been. So if he is... if Sorry, I misread that. Is he Lord of your life? A deep prayer life. A comfortable, being comfortable with prayer and turning to prayer in times of victory and in times of defeat and times of, uh, of great rejoicing and in times of sorrow indicates someone who knows the Father's friendship. A deep prayer life will, again, it's tied to relationship. And if I have a deep relationship with my Heavenly Father, there is friendship there. But in order for there to be friendship with God, there must first be His Lordship established over my life. I must receive it. I must set Him on the throne of my life before I can have His friendship. I cannot have His friendship in places where His Lordship has not already been. That's like, it's like breaking the law, but the cop's your friend. And it's like, oh, he'll, he'll let it skate by because we're buddies. It's like, no. No, he is, he is still this. Before he's your buddy, right? It's parent, parent, friendship thing. I'm dad first. I'm your friend second. But I am dad first. And my rule of law is finite. But I'm your friend within that place. I'm your, I'm your friend within that established rule of law in that place. That, and we know this. As parents, we don't make rules. I don't know how many times all of you can relate to this. I don't know how many times I'll tell my kids not to do something for their protection. And then they do it, and they realize why I told them not to do it. I've told you guys this about Kai and Liam. Liam's the one, if you tell him, don't touch the stove, it's hot. He's not going to touch the stove because it's hot. Kai is the one that reaches out to touch it to see if you're telling the truth. He did that last night. Sarah had fresh bread right out of the oven given to the boys, we're sitting down eating dinner, don't eat your bread yet, it's hot. Liam looks at it, continues eating his food. Kai looks at it, picks it up, drops it real quick, then picks it up and holds it. (laughs) And then starts screaming about how he just burned his hand. It's like, what? We told you this not because we didn't want you to enjoy your bread, we wanted you to be protected from harm. Right? And this is what the Lord does for us as well. He, but he has to be Lord first. We have to respect and understand his authority. He is Lord over my life. And it's not because, well, we just need to recognize that if I say yes to Jesus, my life is forfeit. It's his life now, no longer mine, because he bought it with the blood of his son who was perfect and without fault and laid down his life that I may live. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So I've got to recognize that, and then I have to establish his lordship over my life. And in in that place, I can enjoy his friendship. And you will always see someone with a deep and powerful prayer life that is comfortable in prayer, you will always see their friendship displayed with the Lord. 
because his lordship has been established over their story. You will never find somebody that can pray and just pray powerfully. And when I mean pray powerfully, I'm not trying to measure um, anything like there's any standard of prayer that we can just look at and, and grade, but those that can speak to the heart of the moment and the heart of the spirit and articulate what the Lord is speaking in that moment, and it cuts you to the core like a double-edged sword, immediately cuts through the air and there's understanding exactly of what we're in and what we're facing and what we're looking at and what the Lord is trying to establish. When we see those kind of prayers prayed, you will always see reflected in that person's story friendship with Jesus, friendship with their father. You will never see a disconnect in that place. And it is time for the world, again we said this on Sunday, it's time for the world to see the friends of God, those who have given him complete lordship, over their lives, making an account, making an accurate appeal. Because God is making His appeal through us. So do they see His heart in us? And we talked about this last week and a little bit on Sunday. We are in this season of intercession and worship, but what is intercession? Uh, this is something that we, again, we talked about on Sunday, and the best way I heard it described, and I'm a visual person, so... I, I like detail, and I, when somebody gives me a definition, I like it to include the visual. I like it to elaborate on the visual. And so this woman said um, in a sermon I was listening to, she said, intercession is an invitation to climb into the heart of God, discover what his desires are for that moment, and then partner with all of heaven to see it released. That is intercession. And we talked about that last week. We talked about how intercession, one, and first of all, is standing in the gap. We are in this world, not of it. We are standing in the gap. What is intercession but the ministry of reconciliation? The ministry of reconciliation is bridge building. It is connecting the world back to creator, connecting the world back to their heavenly father who they were always meant to have a relationship with. Jesus, the first of us to establish this ministry, gave it to us. The ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world back to himself. It is building a bridge that they could be connected again. Again, we are called bridge builders. We are not to stand on one side of the road. We are to be the ones in the middle that establish the bridge, establish the connection again from creation to creator, from sons and daughters to heavenly father. That's what we're supposed to do. And intercession is standing in the gap. Intercession is understanding clearly what it is and how the Lord would have you reconcile the world back to himself accurately in this moment. It is the, it is the clear details of put this here, build this now, say this then. The, the marching orders are, of our ministry of reconciliation in every moment are discovered through intercession. Through understanding what the desires of the Lord's heart are in this moment. And so if that's what intercession is, the discovery of the desires of the Father's heart, then prayer. Prayer is the key to unlocking the mysteries of God. Some mysteries we will never understand, and we know that, but others are just waiting for us to pursue his heart. I, I was just, I've been thinking about this a lot. There's this quote, um, and I'll, I'll say it here in a little bit, but the level of revelation you are able to receive is directly linked to the level of mystery you are willing to live with. The level of revelation you are able to receive is directly linked to the level of mystery you are willing to live with. 
you're willing to live with. And so isn't a mystery just something that has yet to be revealed? And I wanted to read a few scriptures with you this evening. Uh, Ephesians 3, verse 2 through 6 is the first one that we'll read. And it says, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And then Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. The mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is in Christ, you, the hope of glory." So we see here that there, are, there, were two, there were mysteries that existed for generations. Generations and generations and generations until the point where they were revealed. There were people that were willing to live with those mysteries and prophesy what the Lord gave them to prophesy, walk in obedience to what He gave them to walk in obedience to. I mean, think about, think about Isaiah. Think about Abraham and the mysteries of the things that the Lord spoke to them. Your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. That's a mystery that was not revealed to him. He did not see that. He did not see his descendants outnumber the stars in the sky. He would have to be alive today to really begin to see that. David did not see the mystery of what the Lord was saying when he said that from his line, he will set the Savior, the Christ, on the throne. From the line of David. He had no idea what he was talking about. Like what that was going to look like. He knew what he was saying. But he didn't know in fullness what he was saying. And then what Paul is talking about is the mystery. Of the fact that the Jews have always been the chosen people. God's people. And now what they are understanding through Christ and him crucified. And the things that he said in his time of ministry. The three years that he was ministering. And the miracles were flowing from him. And all these different things that he was teaching was that this, what he was doing now, was not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles as well. It's for all mankind. This is for all. For God so loved the world, not for God so loved the Jews. That was a mystery to them that had just been revealed. They had a long time understood a certain way. And so what is revelation? Revelation is simply, we know this well, we've had this taught to us well, Revelation is the uncovering, the uncovering of that which was always there but never before clearly seen. If I covered this chair and I set it in the middle of the room or I covered that stool or I covered that speaker with a blanket and I set it there and every Sunday you came in and you saw it, you never knew what it was because you've only ever seen it covered up. You don't fully know what it is. You just know it's there. Revelation is when the blanket is removed, when the veil is removed and uncovered. You can see clearly now what has always been there. It's always been there. You've just not understood what it was. 
And again, the level of revelation I'm able to receive is linked to the level of mystery I'm willing to live with. So, to fully be an intercessor, I am not only willing to always stand in the gap for the people of this earth and for my city and for people going through different situations, and that is often the ministry of reconciliation. Again, standing in the gap, building a bridge, Intercession is the business of bridge builders. People that are walking and establishing and operating in this, who are ministers of the ministry of reconciliation, ministers within it, which we all are called to be, but those that partake in it, it's a different number. We're all called to do it, but those that actually partake as being ministers of the ministry of reconciliation, intercession is their business. Because intercession is the business of bridge builders and what is the ministry of reconciliation? What is a minister within that but a bridge builder? Establishing a link back to God and creation. That's what we're doing. And so with that said, I must also be willing to, be a, to fully be an intercessor. I must also be willing to walk through the Father's heart past many things that in that moment remain covered and are meant to remain a mystery, and let him lead me to that which he desires to uncover, to reveal in that moment. It was just this vision as I was trying to understand, okay, how does one, how does one come into the heart of the Father and see the desires of the Father's heart while also living with ministry, or ministry, with also, while also living with mystery, and having revelation. Like, how are all these things linked? And this is what the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me, like, being in his heart was like being in this room. And I'm walking past a lot of things that are covered. And there are some things that are uncovered that I've seen before, that he's revealed to me before, but there are things that are still covered. And he's leading me through this room to the thing that he intends for me to, to have revealed to me right now. And he uncovers it for me right now. And that's the desires of his heart for this moment, for this very moment right now. What All the words that he's spoken, what are those but revelation? Those are revelation as to what he's doing now. Why didn't he reveal them when we were in his heart 10 years ago? Was Randy not walking and discovering the desires of the Father's heart 10 years ago? Of course he was. But did he reveal what he said in 2020 10 years ago? No. Because it wasn't time for those things. Though we've been in the Father's heart, there were mystery. There were things still uncovered that we had to be willing to live with if we wanted the revelation for right now. And that is what happens when we climb through the Father's heart. And that just brings more clarity to that statement. The Lord has invited us into His heart to reveal to us the desires of His heart in this moment that we could accurately partner with Him in these things. But the thing is, is this is a season of intercession and worship. And so how he desires for us to partner with him in revealing his desires is he desires for us to join with him in prayer. He desires for us to join with the Son and with the Spirit in prayer before him for these things to come to be. We were taught this as well. We are meant to be the third member of intercession before the Father. The Son 
Jesus intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And we are meant to join alongside them, filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, covered by the blood of Jesus, standing before the Father, interceding for the things He has revealed to us that He desires to do right now. It's time for intercession. And before any great move of God in the entirety of human existence, there has always been intercession. There have been intercessors. Because there have to be those that build a bridge to where we're supposed to go. And that is what intercession it is. It is building a bridge to where the Lord would have us go next. That's all it is. And it's so funny to me because this is what's so powerful about Revelation is that he revealed when we were going through the election process, and I thought it was just specifically towards the election, we're, just, we're supposed to be bridge builders. Don't take a side. Everybody thought that it's my Christian duty to take a stand and put down someone else. It's like that, no, you're missing it. To take a stand is to stand in the middle and reveal truth that the Lord has shown to us, to them. Because when you stand in the middle, you recognize how ridiculous all of this is. And how you cannot stand on any side of the road and be found without guilt and without shame and without blood on your hands. It's all bad. The Lord didn't want this for us. It's all, it's all nasty. It's all bad. I've looked at it and I'm just like, oh my gosh, help us, help us Jesus. Because it's just, it's just all bad news on both sides. It's just ugly. It's man-made. It's man-driven. And the Lord would have us stand in the middle of the road to build a bridge that we would be united under the banner of Christ and allow the Spirit of God to govern us and no one else. And I thought, okay, that's a, man, that's a powerful word for an election season. And the Lord's like, that, no. I mean, he just told me this in preparing for this lesson. He's like, that's not, that's not where it ended. That is the ministry of reconciliation. How do you not see that? That is what you are anointed to do on this earth is to build a bridge. You are meant to build a bridge. He said this on Sunday for people that can't can't pray, that can't see through the brokenness, that can't see through the hopelessness. We are meant to be those that would stand in the gap and build the bridge for them because we can see the hope. We can see the healing. We can see what the Lord is doing and what he will do. And we can see the promises and we can remember the promises that he's spoken over them even if they can't. And we'll stand in the gap and we will pray and we will establish a bridge from their brokenness to his healing. And that's what we get to do. That's what we get to do. We are bridge builders. That is our business in intercession. Understanding and and pursuing the Father's heart allows for us to know specifically what He's doing right now and begin to pray these things into being. I am a big believer. I am a big believer in speaking the things that you want to see. Speaking it. Speaking it out loud. And refusing anything else that comes against it. I was talking yesterday to someone at the school just about the difficulty of the season that the community's in and that the school's in. The school's really having to do a lot of stuff and it's coming under a lot of criticism because, you know, we lost... ...22 or something teachers got 18 back. Or faculty... 22-something faculty, got 18 faculty back. Hire new, I mean, we've got new people in new positions, 18 of them in new places. Yeah, wow. Big, big time. A lot of them were retiring. 
it was time to retire for them. I mean, they, they, had, they had done their, their time, and they could retire, and so why not retire? Things are getting really difficult. They made it through COVID, and I don't know that there was a more difficult time to be alive and an educator than through all that nonsense. On closing, not closing, now your TEA is just like, hey, we're going to make you change everything about the way you've taught for 30 years, and you need to figure it out in a, about an hour. Just ridiculous, but they made it through all that good stuff. And then Robin Hood, and you know about Robin Hood and just the recapturing of funds that are our funds that are going to places that it's just ridiculous because I've seen where that money goes. And it's not doing anything good. It's just being wasted in other places. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. And there's, just, there's a lot of need for new things in our school or our school won't be here. And everybody's kicking rocks and just really upset because I just want the old sundown, right? Perspective. And I use this example, and I'm not trying to be monetary or, or uh, um, I don't know the word, it escapes me, but what kingdom established itself and decided to stay that small? No, they grew. And they change. And they evolve. It is the nature of humans. What is against our nature is to stay the same. But we seem to have this understanding that we can do that. That's impossible. How can you stay the same? How, that would be like, I wish this church could just go back to 1938. It's impossible. How could it stay the same? It's not possible. And we've changed a lot. And some of the change was difficult. You remember when we did all this and we had to sit in fold-out chairs while we waited for these to show up? I'm telling you right now, these are a lot more comfy than pews. I'm just saying. And when people sit down, I don't hear them sit down for five minutes as that wood creaks and lets everyone know, hey, somebody just showed up late and they're sitting in the back. I mean, it's like we had a microphone that just, all right, sit down now. We're going to announce that you're here, right? And the just old carpet and, all, and the stage that was closed. I mean, all of this change, look around, is any of it, are you still upset that we did it? No. It was for the, uh, the renovation at the front. Was there anyone that misses that faded, kind of pinkish, Pepto-Bismol-y colored metal? I don't miss it. It's like it wanted to be tan, it wanted to be pink, it couldn't make up its mind, so it just went with this kind of blah, pinkish color. But it's, I mean, is that renovation not better? Change is important. Change is good. It's not always easy, but change is a wonderful thing. And I was just talking to this person saying, we're going to be okay and it's going to be great. And I refuse to accept anything else. But, oh, Parker, but if we, if we don't have some good ideas and some good things change and some people get on board with what we need to do to keep this school alive, we're going to be closed in six years. No, we're not. Because we're going to evolve. People are going to change. We're going to grow. We're going to change as a community the way we need to, not, not because where we came from is bad. But do you think, because we saw the minutes, and I'm, I'm using the school as, it's an easy example to this lesson, but the minutes 
the superintendent, Brent Evans, showed me the minutes from the first ever board meeting. So cool. Where they, they had two teachers. Only staff they had. Two teachers. And on the minutes, they were discussing the purchase of coal for the winter. And that's, that's, they were approving those things. And it was just a side thought that I had was who shoveled that coal? Who put that in the burner to keep those two classrooms warm? They didn't have anybody else on staff. They had two people, two teachers, teaching all day. So some parent that wanted this school to make it would come and would do that to keep it warm for their kids, would volunteer their time and go and do that and put in the work to make sure that that place thrived. And do you think if we could bring that person back, they'd be like, man, I just, you guys should have stayed two classrooms and me shoveling coal. No. And I know that it was a great controversy when the school did the, the, uh, the new building and, and all that stuff many, many years ago, and the town was just like split right down the middle, and it was a big old controversy, but I don't think there's anybody that would come back now and be like, man, I'm really still disappointed we spent that money. It needed to have change is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. But all that to say, if we would just speak what the Lord has shown us, the desires of his heart, and partner with him in such a way that it is all I can articulate, that this will come to be. In my lifetime, in this place, I will see this city look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. This place will look like the kingdom of God. And I'll only speak that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe, you, you all know this, that if you believe good things about the people around you, all of a sudden these people start to rise to these good things. You don't have to say anything. You just have to believe it over them. I'll never forget this. One of the greatest lessons the Lord ever taught me was when I got an eighth grade group of misfits that I was told multiple times will never amount to anything. They just graduated from high school this last year, those eighth grade misfits. Several of them, several of them are playing at the next level. These kids that I was told that I just let them walk the track and just watch them, make sure they don't get in a fight or skip. It's like, well, can I teach them to work out? I mean, yeah, if you want to waste your time with that, that's what I was told. If you want to waste your time with that, sure. And I remember standing at the garage door waiting for those kids. And the Lord said, not Parker, the Lord said. Because I remember standing there and being like, this is going to be the worst. I'm going to be so exhausted by the end of this period for no reason. And the Lord said, do not believe what has been spoken over them. It's like, all right. And I ended up having the most fun I've ever had as a coach. It was one of the greatest experiences. And I got to see these kids all of them go win back-to-back state championships for powerlifting. First time Sundown's ever had a team win a state championship at a powerlifting. <coughs> Excuse me. Just breaking down barriers left and right. Because when you speak what the Lord has revealed to you, when you believe only that, these things begin to happen. And that's the power of intercession. It's the power of climbing into the heart of God and owning this position of I am a bridge builder. I am the, I am the one, I am the hands and feet. I get to be a part of, and I get to partner with all of heaven 
and seeing the desires of the Father's heart that have been revealed to me, I get to see them revealed to the world around me and established in the lives of the world around me. That is the power of intercession. It's a beautiful and it's a wonderful thing. But again, to be fully intercessors, we must enter the Lord's heart and he has invited us into it. Will we enter? Because this is the time. He has opened the door. He said, come and discover what I desire to do in this city and in your stories. Will we enter? It requires something of us. We talked about this last week. To think that we can just do this on Wednesdays and Sundays and see the fullness of God. No, because if you give part of yourself to Him, you're only ever going to get part in return. But if He is our everyday, our everyday, we will see the fullness of God released in our community. And it doesn't have to be the entirety of the community that fully gives themselves to God for that to happen. A handful of people can usher in the fullness of God and it will sweep away like a t- No one escapes a tsunami. If you're standing on the shore and you see that wave coming, you're, you're going to get covered by it. And sundown is that shore, and people, whether they know it's coming or not, are standing on it, but we get to be the ones that usher in that wave of God, the presence of God that's coming. We get to be the ones that usher in the fresh outpouring of the Spirit, and we get to be the ones that prepare the foundation in this community that when it comes, it is sustained. It is built upon a solid rock. It is held within a wineskin that does not leak. It is, it is anointed with oil, so when the flame is lit, it will not go out. We get to be those ones in this season. That's what it is to be in a season of intercession and worship. We get to be the ones that pour the oil. And pouring the oil is knowing the Father's heart and speaking it into existence. That is the oil. We get to be those ones. So I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for what the Lord is doing. We've just got a lot of cool things ahead of us, and I just refuse to believe anything else. And it is our job to refuse to believe anything else and be bridge builders in this season reconciling the world back to himself. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.